Hi, I'm Jason Nias, along with Natalie Wires from Digital River, an e-commerce and payments company dedicated to helping brands go global and grow their revenue. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our time. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started and lessons they've learned that have gotten them where they are today and what they believe is the future of online shopping. Hi, this is Jason from Digital River, and we're very excited to introduce you to our guest today. Nick Meta is the CEO of Gainsight, uh, and Nick leads a team dedicated to helping brands build long-lasting customer relationships. You might use the term customer success in your business, and if so, you should know Nick literally wrote the book on it called Customer Success, How to Innovate how innovative companies are reducing churn and growing recurring revenue. And you can get it on Amazon if you have not read it. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for joining me. So awesome to be here. Really excited to have a discussion. Perfect. Well, let's dig into it. Uh, could, let's start off by uh, perhaps introducing yourself as well as introducing uh, the folks on the line to Gainsight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my, my quick background, which I think ties into Gainsight a little bit, is that I kind of started my career in the traditional enterprise software, enterprise technology world. And actually, funnily enough, my, my dad worked in enterprise technology eons ago in the sort of mainframe mini computer days. And the reason I tell you about my dad is I, I remember when I was a little kid and my dad was doing one of these take your kid to work days, uh, taking me to his company. And I remember him saying, um, if you go into business, you got to either be in product development or be in sales because those are the only two jobs that matter. And once you got, sold the customer, they're stuck with you. You can move on to the next customer, right? And that's that mindset that in the old business models, it was just about building and selling stuff, right? And we almost had that mindset from building and selling physical products where you build something, you ship it, and you move on to the building the next thing. That mindset has shifted a lot as people move to business models where customers have a lot of power, whether you think of SaaS, you know, paying per month, per year, whether you think of consumption-based pricing, like in cloud computing, whether you think of contracts that are based on performance, you know, even like buying online advertising, where it's now based on performance. In all of those business models, the customer has all the power. And so therefore, just because you built something and sold something, if they're not getting value, they're not going to stay with you. They're not going to spend more money. They're not going to be an advocate. And customer success is the idea that companies still have to keep building stuff and selling it and marketing it. All those things matter. But you have this whole new responsibility, which is to make sure the customer that bought the products and services from your company is onboarded well, is using the products and services, is adopting them, is getting value, and then ideally stays with you, spends more money, and becomes a big advocate. And that's what customer success is all about. And at Gainsight, our mission is to help thousands and thousands of businesses throughout the entire world of B2B business from you know, software to hardware to medical devices to telecommunications, help them rethink the way they work with their customers from that transactional model to a model where you're driving customer value across the whole life cycle. And we build a set of products integrated with your existing CRM and other systems that help you navigate and drive a more proactive customer journey. Fantastic. Well, customer success, uh, if you peel back the onion as to what makes some of these high-flying stock or, you know, uh, SaaS-based companies successful, it is really well-executed customer success programs. Their customers stay with them, they renew, and they can basically create predictable revenues based on great customer success. So you guys' product is at the heart of what is creating real value uh, in the 
technology world. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's a great, great point you make, Jason. If you look at the publicly traded SaaS and cloud companies, you know, there's about, let's call it about 100 now public stocks. And you look at what do they report as metrics? Well, when you let they report metrics, they, of course, report a lot of the things every public company reports. What's your revenue? What's your you know, EBITDA? What's your gross profit, et cetera? Um, but SaaS companies now have another metric that analysts watch very carefully, which is what people call net dollar retention or net retention rate. And that's the idea that if I look at my existing customers, not counting any new ones, and I start look at the beginning of the year to the end of the year, I add up all the revenue at the beginning of the year from those existing customers. I look at the revenue at the end of the year from the same existing customers. And I say, did that total amount of revenue grow or shrink? And you calculate it as a percentage. So did it turn, did 120% would mean a dollar of revenue turns into a dollar 20 without adding any new customers, just from your existing customers. And that one metric of net retention has changed the psychology of how these companies run their business. It's not just about getting new customers. It's about maximizing revenue for my existing customers. And that net retention rate is a big reason SaaS and software companies are valued at such high multiples. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, but it's still on the, on the line of customer success. You know, I've seen, I've been a digital for a very long time and I've worked yeah. with a lot of different companies. And one of the things that I saw happen when the term customer success started to show up is that people didn't really, some companies didn't functionally change, they just changed the label to customer success. Have you seen that? Because I obviously, I imagine your product actually goes in and changes the way people work and actually changes behavior versus just the title. That's right. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, it's like any new field, you know, uh, Every company said they were a cloud company long before they even knew what Amazon Web Services were, right? And so in the same way, you know, the fastest way to get more LinkedIn job recruiters reaching out to you is change your title to customer success. You could do it right now, Jason, you'll get a lot of, a lot of people reaching out to you. And so uh, that certainly is the first thing everyone does. And that's fine. It's, you know, obviously they're jumping in, into the pool, right? But really to get into the deep end and to do this stuff right, it requires a change in sort of defining really what the goalposts are. So in the old goalposts, right, if you think about like a company pre-SaaS, pre-cloud, the goalpost was, okay, support your customer, you know, make sure, pick up the phone when they call you, respond to their emails. And if you're really good, you send them a survey and they give you good scores, right? That was, that was the old goalposts, right? The new goalposts are, okay, that's all just table stakes. Are they, were they onboarded well? Are they using your product well? Are they actually getting value from it? Are they likely to stay? Are they likely to grow? And doing that in a very data-driven way, that's kind of where Gainsight's technology fits in, where you're not just guessing at this. You're not just calling the customers to check in once a month or once a quarter. That doesn't scale, right? But you're actually automating a lot of this. You're using data to predict what's their likelihood to renew. You're actually using data to understand what value they're getting. You're figuring out ways to build plans with that customer. So you've jointly defined what success means. And so that's the difference between customer success as a job title and customer success as uh, something that has substance to it. Right on. And I actually go a little deeper for our listeners. I, I want you to explain a little bit about the different ways that you penetrate uh, the, the lives of the people who use your product from uh, customer experience, customer expansion, yeah. product, like go a little deeper for Yeah, us. totally. So, so, you know, the way we think about customer success is it's not just a job, it's a company-wide process, right? And it really starts actually when you build the product and then it, then you sell the product and then you onboard people. So let me take you through that life cycle and how things change in this new world. And this is sort of where Gainsight fits in. So let's go all the way back to the product. 
So you're building a new product and it's in running in the cloud in Amazon or Azure or Google Cloud, right? Are you running the old mindset where you you're, you you ship a bunch of features and the features are done and then you, you figure out what new features you're going to ship and you ship those features, right? And you have no idea if people are using it, what value they're getting, why they're not using it, or are you leveraging the fact that you're in the cloud to constantly be monitoring what's happening, just like Netflix and Facebook and Spotify monitor what we're all doing and personalize our experience, right? They look at what we're doing constantly to make the experience better. And so the first step is kind of the product experience itself. At Gainsight, we build a product called Gainsight PX product experience that's basically sitting inside your new SaaS products and cloud products and actually using some JavaScript technology to track like where people are clicking and what features they're using, which one, what they're not using, which users were using the app and stopped using it. How do we get them to back in, come back into the app and then actually personalizing the experience in the app, meaning I'm a first time user, I log in, I get a kind of a welcome guide. I haven't logged in for quite a while, I get a like what's new guide. I haven't turned on an advanced feature, it's kind of guiding me to use that advanced feature. So that's that's in the product, right? So how do we make customer success built into the product from day one? Then let's talk about let's talk about that that sales process. How do we actually go and capture the client's goals as I'm selling to them and I'm hearing all about their needs? How do I make sure those goals aren't lost? You know, so many companies, the salesperson spends all this time with the customer and all that information is lost, right? So how do we capture what, what value means to that customer? Gainsight helps with that. Then you're in the onboarding process. How do we make the onboarding not just like a random set of steps, but an orchestrated plan based on the client's goals? We have something called success plans that help with that. Then how do you actually go and now you're helping to drive adoption for that client, getting them to use a product, getting them to get value? How do you actually have the right sort of triggers to tell you when a client is off track, when they haven't, they have stopped using the product or they never turned on a feature. And so a CSM can reach out to them. How do you do that at scale? So you can automate that for your smaller customers. So maybe you're kind of a virtual CSM reaching out to them. Now you get to the part where you're trying to keep that client and expand them. How do you manage that renewal based on all the data you had to date about adoption and customer health and risk? So you can prioritize the right renewals and you know the right transactions. And how do you find the customers where they might be ready to buy more because they're doing so much in your in your business, and so you can actually sell them more products. And so how do you just end end? How do you use data and a focus on customer success to drive better value for the customer, but also higher renewals, more expansion, and better advocacy for you? Love that. And so you know, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of data yeah. out of your system. Obviously, there's a lot of process you put around it, around people, the governance, so people can know how to interact with your product, uh, when and where, and how to get good data in, et cetera. How do you democratize the data across the organization? Because one of the things I've seen uh, in my life is that customer success almost is the role of a single department versus the yep. role of the entire company. Absolutely. So how do you think about responding to that? That's such an important point. And there's a few things that are really important there, right? One is to make sure that for any given customer in your customer base, everyone understands what's going on with that customer, right? And that's this kind of concept, if you worked in business long enough, this mythical customer 360, right? Where it's like, okay, we have this 360 view of the customer. And yeah, that is part of kind of what Gainsight's value prop is, is to make all that information about like what we call the health scorecard of a customer on all the different dimensions of what a healthy customer is, whether it's their likelihood to renew, their product adoption, their goals, the relationship we have with the stakeholder, their usage of features. How do we make that quantified and visible everywhere? So in your CRM, in a Salesforce, in your support systems, like a Zendesk, in Slack, if you use Slack, like everywhere. So how do we make that information about one customer everywhere? But more importantly, 
how do we actually pull out the trends? So one of the big things that's very, very topical now in the field we're in is looking at the end-to-end customer experience, right? And so one of the things that's possible now we in our technology, we'll use natural language processing to analyze all the different conversations you're having with the customer, all the survey feedback they've given you, all the notes you've taken, and say, okay, across customers that are either renewing or not, what are the common patterns? What's the difference? How often are they mentioning onboarding as a reason for not renewing? How often are they mentioning the price increase you just did, right? And so how do we help the company learn not just from one customer, but from all your customers? Yeah, that's pretty powerful. How important is compatibility? Obviously, the pandemic has changed the way everybody works. Right. Uh, I don't think I don't think a year and a half ago everybody had a Teams channel, a Slack channel, yeah. <laughs> uh, a Zoom account. Like all these things have changed where all this information is disseminated. How do you think about Gainsight's ability to ingest data from all these different places, but also work with industry-leading CRM? Salesforce is obviously one, but there are others. Yeah. So for us, you know, I think two things have happened. Number one is, uh, well, actually, I'd say three things coming out of the pandemic. Number one is digital engagement in general, we all know, is just so important now. So people want more ways to get their team to engage with customers in a digital manner, right? Whether that's more consistent playbooks of how our team operates, whether it's automated communications, doing things in applications, that, that area is just super hot. We've been fortunate to benefit from that. But the second thing, as you alluded to, is because companies have so many digital engagement systems now, there's so many different data sources that you could be mining about about your customers, right? They're interacting with you through a mobile app. They're interacting with you through your support portal. They're going to their documentation site. They're in your product. Maybe you have multiple products. And so there's just a treasure trove of data. You might even be using call recording software to understand your calls better. So you have all this information that you could be harvesting to better serve your clients better understand risk, et cetera. And then the third point, Jason, now if you're a vendor like Gainsight, you've got to live in this ecosystem. You've got to work with everything else that's out there, like a like a Slack or an analytics tool set, like a Snowflake. And in particular, the, the suite of CRM solutions out there, whether you think of a Salesforce or Dynamics or HubSpot or a, a Zendesk, et cetera. And so all of the vendors kind of in the software world now, a huge part of your job is integrations. You've got to integrate with the rest of the stack that's out there. Yeah, I love the answer. Completely agree. If, yep. if, uh, that, that's driving a lot of technology roadmaps today for all these companies is compatibility. You've got totally. to work with whatever people want to bring. Yeah. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit more and, and talk about you. I'd love to, going back to your days at Harvard and uh, how you kind of got into this, this role of running this company, take us a little bit on your journey. Yeah, it's kind of a, I think for like all of us, it's a circuitous journey that's definitely not linear, um, but eventually you zoom out, there's some pattern to it. So I mentioned this kind of funny story about my dad, you know, being in tech and sort of like, you know, kind of talking about, you know, building and selling products being the only thing that matters. You know, we still talk about his, you know, the days when he worked in tech very long time ago. But one of the thing privileges I had was, you know, sort of growing up around tech, I had computers in my house since I was a little kid. So I was that nerdy kid programming on a, you know, IBM PC and six years old and learning basic programming and, you know, stuff that some folks listening have no idea what I'm talking about because <laughs> it's a long time ago. But um, because of that, I, I did love computers from when I was a little kid. Um, now, I, I'm an Indian American uh, and my, some of you probably know there's definitely a high uh, tendency of in, many Indian Americans to go into medicine. That's definitely a very 
uh, cherished profession. So my mom wanted me to be a doctor. So I had this sort of conflict between my dad's tech business. And my mom wanted me to be a doctor. I, I tried to appease them both in college. Actually, I studied both biochemistry and computer science. So I kind of like kept the parallel track going till, till the end. Um, but, but I realized I love technology. I love computers. I love all the business stuff that, you know, my dad sort of showed me when I was a kid. And so I ended up um, in college meeting some classmates and um, starting a company, um, an early internet company. We were selling, if, uh, if you can believe it, we're selling golf clubs over the web. So very specific e-commerce business. E-commerce in the 90s when we started our business was new. Everything was new. Jason, you probably remember too. It's like back then everything online was new. Now that's not a novel concept, but we had this sort of business that we launched from our dorm room um, and it actually ended up taking off somewhat and we ended up kind of turning down the normal post-college jobs to go work on this startup. And um, summer of 1998, graduated, uh, raised venture capital actually from a famous venture capital firm, Sequoia Capital is very well known to this day. And uh, the company kind of grew like crazy and almost went public in 2000. And we were uh, 20, 21, 22 years old and, and counting how much our stock would be worth. But we actually missed the IPO window, eventually sold the business, didn't make any money because we'd raised too much. But it was a, as they say, an incredible learning experience that along the way we had, uh, we were a classic dot com company. We had billboards and TV commercials and, you know, everything you name it. John Elway was our spokesperson, who's a famous NFL player. Um, so it was quite an experience for some young kids, but you kind of got me to California. So we, we had basically moved to California to do this startup. And then I still to this day live in, in uh, the Bay, San Francisco Bay Area. And, you know, as I mentioned, I started my career in kind of traditional enterprise technology. I, I worked at a company, Jason, you might be familiar with, uh, called Veritas Software, which is a um, storage and backup software company. Absolutely. Um, they actually had a good presence in Minnesota where you are. Um, and um, we, I was a product manager. I started, I was like, actually, after, your, after you do your, if your first job as a startup that you, you help co-found, you're kind of ruined for life because it's like working for anyone else doesn't sound fun. So I had to like apply just like to the like entry level job as a product manager, which is great. Good way to get started. Um, but I, I joke that like Veritas basically made um, software that backed up computers. Um, uh, and that is like extremely boring. Um, and I got the most boring product inside that that sort of landscape, which was the software that reported on whether your backups succeeded or not. Uh, so it wasn't the coolest product in the world, but I loved kind of working on product and particularly working with customers. So I was like that product manager that was out with customers, loved helping the salespeople close deals and customers get value and so on. And so that was my, my jam and I just got into it. And then I eventually kind of like moved up a little bit and ran a division of Veritas and Symantec and kind of ran, you know, at that point, engineering, product management, sales, marketing, and so on. And kind of like, honestly, I had this wake up call. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is sort of like being a CEO, but not really because I'm still in a comp larger company. At, at that point, we had bought, gotten bought by Symantec. So we were part of you know larger uh, company. And, um, and I kind of said, I want to go back to sort of, you know, the roots of doing my own thing. And so I, I left in 2007. I spent some time with the VC firm. I ran one company. I was got hired to run one company, which I helped. We helped move to the cloud. And in that process, I learned um, customer success. Honestly, like right in my last company, I was a CEO. I thought I'd spend all my time on sales and product. I spent way more time on customer success than anything else. And it was just a wake up call for me how important this is. Got it. And then uh, was that live office? Is that where you live got? office? Exactly. Basically, yeah. Semantic wanted you back, so they acquired you. They acquired live office. We eventually sold the company. That's right. 
Yep. And you know that uh, the story about the the e-commerce store featuring golf clubs. Yep. Is that was that chip shot? Chip shot, exactly. You can chipshot.com's available if you want to go after after uh you know is the domain of fire, get back after it. There you go. I yeah, I gotta go find it. There you go. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> That's funny. So maybe explain the story on your LinkedIn when you people go and look up Nick Metal, <laughs> they'll see there's a Pittsburgh reference, front and center, Pittsburgh Steelers. What's the connection there? And, and for the folks who obviously can't see what Nick looks like behind him, who's the jersey of here? That's a Juju Smith Schuster. Juju, is he? I think he renewed. I think he got him more. Him. We just resigned him. Yeah. yeah he, didn't, he didn't churn. We we were customer success worked. So, uh, um, so I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and, and, and if you know any annoying Pittsburgh Steelers fans, that's Pittsburgh's number one export is annoying Steelers fans. So that's that's who. One, I'm one of those crazy. Actually, I the fun fact is I haven't missed the Steeler game, whether I was in person in the game or watching on TV live for 25 years. So I have this strange streak going and I kind of, now I can't mess it up. So <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, we have an office in Pittsburgh. And so, oh yeah, you know, on Mondays during football season, Vikings get talked about, but so do the Steelers. That's right. Exactly. And I love the Vikings too. Another great fan base. So right on. Um, you just have more Super Bowl wins, but we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> Wasn't going to mention that. Yeah, probably good. So one of the things we love to do on this podcast is yep. uh, talk about where influencers like you get your influence. So are there books you read? Are there podcasts you listen to? Who influences you? I'd love to understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a great question. Um, and I, for, I've learned from like everyone. I kind of feel like I've never had just like one mentor, but I've just learned so much uh, overall from all the people that, you know, are business leaders over time. And so a few things that I do, number one, I, I definitely use Twitter a lot. And I think it's a great way to just sort of see what's being shared, what's out there and, and you know, articles and, you know, hearing from other people and so on. And there's so many CEOs out there that I follow that I just learned so much from, but I also read a lot. And actually I've definitely like been one of those people in the pandemic. You, you either developed good habits or bad habits. I, I did, I was lucky to get a couple of good habits. So I've been reading a ton. I, I do a lot of audiobooks and, and printed books. And for audiobooks, I do read some, you know, sort of business books or just like leadership stuff. I just, for example, read The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh, the uh, who passed away, but it was the coach of the 49ers and is a great book about leadership. And so I, I love, I read, actually, I, I, last year, I set a goal that I was going to read 50 books. I hit that on the nose. And this year I'm trending towards probably 70 or so. So I, I re, I'm a big, big reader in general. Um, and then because I don't do as many podcasts, ironically, because I'm on a podcast now, but I, I don't do as many podcasts, but, um, but I, but effectively you end up hearing from the same people just in their, in their full books. So I, I tend to go for more of the long reads. Gotcha. And the other question we ask is around, um, what is your favorite e-commerce experience and why? But I think we're going to take a little bit of a pivot yep. and say, who does customer success? Who sets the standard for customer success? Yeah, it's a good question. One, cha one challenge, I get that a lot, and you're probably no surprise to you. And one challenge of giving one answer is that there are many flavors of it, depending on if you have a high volume of customers or if you have a smart number of large customers. So I'm going to give you a few answers. Um, for um, large customers, you know, one if you have big clients, one company that just does this very well is Workday. It's been in their culture from day one since, you know, Dave Duffield and Neil Boosry started the company very much a cult customer centric company. And they've come, they've backed that up with a really strong customer success and operations team. 
Um, one company that does customer success well in more of a high volume fashion where they have a lot of customers is Okta, which some of you I'm sure know is security software company. And they have a really good job of kind of that one to many digital customer success. And then a third company who's done it really well in integrating customer success with the rest of the company, meaning sales, marketing, et cetera, is Splunk, um, who most of you probably know as a IT kind of log management company, but has so many different applications. And one of the things they've done really well is they've integrated their sales process. So when you, I was talking about before, when you ask people about, you know, what are their goals? What are they trying to achieve? Splunk has actually turned that into science where the salesperson figures that out, gets captured automatically, gets put into their CRM, automatically handed off to Gainsight, turned into what we call success plan, fully automated. And so Splunk's done a great job of driving customer success across the company. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, those answers. Um, shifting gears a little bit back to some of the original conversation, you guys are a subscription business. Yeah. And so you guys obviously have to manage your own churn. Uh, how much do you guys use your own tools? And I, and the reason I asked this question is, you know, we're a Salesforce shop from a CRM perspective. Yeah. And uh, one of the things we got a lot of value on is when Salesforce has this program called Salesforce on Salesforce. So they totally. teach you how they use their own tools. We do the same with Sixth Sense. Yep. How does how does Gainsight use your own products to continue to improve your customer success? Oh my God, we, li- we live in our own Gainsight instance. So we have, even have a term for it. Our version of Gainsight is called Gainsight on Gainsight. And with the, the short phrase for that is Gong, G-O-N-G, Gainsight on Gainsight. And so we all live in Gong and that's all the way from the sales process of capturing client expectations to the onboarding, to managing customers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, fun fact, this is where it gets, things get very meta here, <laughs> fun, much like, like my name. Gong is the thing we use to manage our own Gainsight. It's our own version of Gainsight. Gong is also, as we probably know, a company that builds so- call recording software yep. that you may or may have used or may know about. We, Gong is a customer of Gainsight um, and we are a customer of Gong. So sometimes we are in our own instance of Gainsight that we call Gong and we're managing our customer Gong who themselves is using Gainsight to manage their customer, which is actually Gainsight. So it gets a little confusing sometimes, but but we we literally live and breathe our own customer success operation. And much like Salesforce, then we get asked all the time, how do you do it? And our customer success team really has two jobs. They have to drive success for our customers, but they also have to be the thought leaders for the industry. And so we've written, you know, thousands of blog posts and we present all the time on how we do things, what trends we're seeing, operational plays we're running, things like that. So yeah, it's very much in the fabric of our company. Yeah, there's so much power in that because you're effectively eating your own dog food. You know exactly what the market's going to want because you want it too. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's super cool. I I was hoping for that answer. That's excellent. Awesome. So uh, Nick, you've shared a lot about how cool your company is. How You guys are located in Silicon Valley. Is that right? We're very distant. We kind of were probably, I guess we were made for the pandemic. So we're actually with 720 people and we have offices in Hyderabad, uh, India, Bangalore, India, Phoenix, uh, London, Tel Aviv, St. Louis, um, and, a, and a little bit in the Bay Area, but actually Bay Area is the smallest. Um, so we're very much a kind of remote first company. Wow, you were built for the pandemic. We really you were. Already, you were already uh, yeah. working remote. That's right, exactly. Fantastic. Well, if uh, if folks on this podcast have interest in getting in touch with you, what do you recommend? LinkedIn or? Yeah, totally. LinkedIn or Twitter, either one. So my Twitter handle is N-R-Meta, M-E-H-T-A. And then look me up on LinkedIn. Happy to connect on either one. 
Fantastic. Well, Nick, thank you so much for sharing all of the great details around your business. It sounds like you guys are in the right space at the right time and really helping companies create value. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much, Jason. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Commerce Connect podcast brought to you by Digital River and edited at Matriarch Digital Media in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more, head to digitalriver.com.